Welcome to the Miles to Memories podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by Joe Chung from As the Joe Flies and Disney Deciphered. Back for two weeks in a row, Joe. It's been so long since we did two consecutive shows together, so it's good to see you again. Yes, back in the rhythm, school starting. Uh, I did forget a story last week, if you're ready to start off with that. Can we uh, kick off with one last travel story? Let's do it. All right, so I did say like how excited I was to be on the Airbus 380, the A380, and that we were like uh, my the girls in my family were in business class, and then my son and I were in premium economy, and so everyone was on the top floor. Um, so we had the separate, you know, gangway that went straight to the top. Although I kind of, you know, back in the day, you used to be able to go up and down to the stairs of at least a 747, like in the 90s, when I used to sleep on the floor or whatever. I kind of wanted to be able to go up and down, but um, they had it blocked off to go down to economy. I wanted to see what economy was like. That's neither here nor there. But we went through the business class section first. And then so I dropped my wife and kids off. And then we moved to the premium economy section and we were like the second row. And so I stopped to like put my bag up and I was struggling a little bit. Um, and I just said bye to my wife and kids. And then I heard this voice behind me, Sean, saying, you know, I can't believe that someone in business class is taking up premium economy overhead space. And so I turned around and I was like, oh, really? Who are you talking about? And the guy's like, you. And I was like, I was, I was just, I like... When I heard it, I thought for a second he was talking about me, but I was like, who would say that? So uh, let me stop there. You know, I mean, it was pretty bold of the guy to be passive aggressive about that. I don't know what you think. I mean, you know, there's so much passive. Was it passive aggressive or was it really just direct? You know, he is saying it to you. He didn't. He wasn't saying it to me, though, because I turned around and I was like, who are you talking to? And he's like, no, I was like, who are you talking about? And he's like, I'm talking about you. And first of all, Sean, like. I, I have so many questions about what's going on in this guy's brain. Like, why would he think that anyone would – obviously, yes, someone would be a real jerk if they were in business class to put their stuff in premium economy. But why would he even consider that anyone ever would do that? That's loco. He needs to know the hierarchy of a plane, okay? If you're flying in first class, you can put your luggage in economy, business, premium economy, business class, any class that's lower than yours, uh, you can do it. I'm uh, just you, kidding, of course. But... The other way. <laughs> You're entitled, man. That's what first class, business class gives you that entitlement. Isn't that what we do all this for? I guess that's what he thought. But anyway, I was like, I almost was like, bro, my seat is right here, man. Um, but, you know, I was like, I I was mostly polite about it. Um, although I was like, come on. I, like, I was, I was, I almost was like, how dare you? Like, why, why would you think I would do that? And my son is there too. You know, like what, what kind of person does he think I am? But I was like, no, this is my seat right here. I just dropped my wife off in business class. And then he was pretty embarrassed and he apologized and stuff like that. But I mean, that was, I, I was just, I told my wife and she, later when she came back to visit us, I told her, she's like, who was it? And then I looked back, I like, I, I saw that he went like towards one of the further back rows, like almost towards the back. And I, I could, I like honestly could not pick him out, but um, she was like, I'm going to give him a dirty look, but I couldn't remember who it was. So um, this is a still, this is a good reminder. You know, when you're traveling and you're tired and you're cranky, you're constantly looking at other passengers and you're critiquing them, right? You're seeing what they're doing and you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe that person did this. I can't believe they did that. And while we may not say it out loud and most people may not say it out loud, we're probably wrong a lot of the time, too, in all of our snap judgments we're making about our fellow passengers as we're traveling, especially when we're cranky and everything gets on our nerves. So 
uh, yeah, I'll give, I'll cut this guy a break, even if it wasn't the the nicest thing in the world. But yeah, I should have I, I should have turned around, you know, because he's in the back and like been that lady who was like, "That guy isn't real." You know, you've seen that video where the lady's talking about the. I don't. I mean, I still don't know what what she was talking about, but um, yeah, and it was just a funny and bizarre experience. And I was like, "All right, man." I mean. You know, I hope your mom <laughs> hugged you more when you were a kid or should have hugged you more when you were a kid because, like, that's that was something crazy to attack me about. Not attack, but, you know. Anyway, I thought it was a funny story that I'd like to share. So speaking of that lady who went crazy on the plane, you know, she released a statement on social media about a week or two ago. And a lot of people were saying that the lady who released the statement on social media wasn't the same lady as on the plane. That's all conspiracy stuff. But my conspiracy to it, Joe, is that she did all this to build her social media clout. And all of a sudden she had a Twitter account with a hundred thousand followers. And I'm just kidding about my conspiracy. What a weird thing that was, but uh, she still hasn't explained what she was saying. So I don't, even in her apology, she didn't explain what she meant I, by everything I didn't that watch she it. did. Yeah. What did she say in it? All I didn't watch it. All I noticed is that like, she definitely like made sure that her hair was perfect. Her makeup was perfect and stuff for her apology. I know she got a lot of followers. Basically, she said she was sorry and that she didn't handle herself in the best way, but she never really addressed, if I remember right, I only watched it, you know, in passing, but I don't think she addressed the fact that she kept saying that the plane was going to crash and, you know, that the guy wasn't real. And if you watch the body cam footage, there's body cam footage from the police officers where she continues, I want to watch this plane take off because I know it's not going to make it, things like that. It was very strange and nothing that you want to see if you're on a plane with somebody else, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, ugh, there's nothing worse than when a passenger goes bad on a plane. That's my least favorite thing. I've had it happen don't, a few times. I've talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, you have. You talk about me getting pissed at another passenger. Yeah, throw a fit on a plane, cause me to get delayed, and uh, that's enough to piss me off. You put your bag wherever you want, though. I don't care. Bottom line, don't do drugs, kids, okay? Especially before you get on a plane. For sure. And uh, here in Las Vegas, Joe, uh, Hurricane Hillary was supposed to come through. Although it never did. It like passed to the, I mean, it did. We had really cool temperatures in the seventies, which was amazing because we're averaging, you know, 105, 106 this time of year. And uh, we had a couple days in the high seventies, low eighties, uh, but the, the rain sort of missed us. So that was good. So Las Vegas was all crazy and everybody was going nuts and having their hurricane parties and we barely got any rain. I mean, we didn't even get that much rain, almost no wind. So it was a big nothing burger for us. Of course, Southern California got a lot of flooding and I hope everybody who's in that area is doing okay because there was a ton of rain that did fall on them, especially in places like Palm Springs. I know a lot of people in the travel space, uh, they love that Palm Springs is like a, a getaway. All those desert areas got just bombarded with dirt, trash, everything else. But Las Vegas, uh, we just got cool temps. And I'll tell you, I've been outside pretty much 24-7 enjoying it. Yeah, one of the um, – I don't really follow their YouTube, but I used to follow him when he ran Slash Film, Peter Serretta, who does Ordinary Adventures. You've probably seen um, his Disneyland videos sometimes. Uh, apparently, they were, like, doing construction on their bedroom. And, you know, when you're doing construction on something, like, not everything is, like, completely patched up or whatever. And I, apparently, they had a lot of damage. So it's one of those things where it ended up being mostly okay. Uh, overall, it seems like, but you know, if you were in like a bad position, it's like tornadoes, right? Like they'll hit one house and then the next one. So, you know, it's, it's tough. So hopefully they'll be okay, but I'm glad that it, uh, ended up not being as bad as was worried. And 
sometimes, you know, people are like, oh, the weather people, they blow it up too much and things like that, which is true. I mean, that's part of their business. But at the same time, I still feel like I'd rather be overprepared than underprepared for something like that, just because when it goes bad, it goes really bad. Yeah, it's always good to be safe than sorry, because when you're sorry, it's, you know, it's uh, too late. My favorite meme to come out of that whole thing, I don't know if you saw this, Joe, was, and this is not political in any way, was just the the map of Hurricane Hillary traveling up the coast with the face of Hillary Clinton. Uh, it was a very well done meme, and uh, one I definitely appreciated. Just everything aside, that was my first thought when I heard Hill- Hurricane Hillary. For some reason, her name is like synonymous with Hillary, so uh, it was fun. I mean, I think that's the first thing everyone thought. I will say that um, just being a little bit of an old man, get off my lawn. You may have appreciated this, Sean, but like I thought before the storm hit and people were posting the videos of the Universal Studios backlot tour where, you know, the subway floods and stuff like that. I was like, this isn't a little bit of poor taste before, you know, like how bad, like if if the storm had already been happening and it wasn't that bad, then. I would have found, I mean, I, I still found it funny, but I was like, let's chill with these uh, joke memes before we know, like, what the actual damage is. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't, again, seem too bad, but people have issues, and there's definitely a lot of damage around, especially in Southern California. So, heart goes out to everybody there. Before we get into some miles and points stuff, just want to remind everybody if you like this show, don't forget to subscribe. You can go into any podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. We are there. And uh, if you like the show, you can also support us by applying for cards. You can find links and everything at mtmpodcast.com. So uh, let's talk uh, Hilton, Joe. Hilton released their new promo, and we know they do a quarterly promo every, what, three months or so. Uh, Sometimes four months. It depends on how they release them. But they did release the details of their new one September 6th to December 31st. Again, multiply your points. They seem to be doing this every quarter now. Nothing too exciting. I miss the days of five years ago when we were getting exciting hotel promotions, but it doesn't seem to be happening uh, now. But anyway, you'll earn double points when you stay at any Hilton property or three times points in select destinations like Mexico City, Tokyo, Las Vegas. So 2x for most places, 3x for specific cities. Not exciting, but you make sure to register for all of these. I always keep track of the IHG, Hilton, Marriott, Hyatt promos, and I always register for them no matter what. So uh, yeah, Claim those points, but nothing spe- nothing too special here. Yeah, I generally think these promos are best for people who, you know, you already have stays planned or you're just a Hilton, you know, um, loyalty member and you stay at Hilton a lot. So it's good to remember that they're there and to remember to sign up for them if, uh, you know, you're going to be staying at Hilton sometime soon. And even if you have a one-off at Hilton, you know, it's better than a kick in the head. That's such a great way to describe Hilton honors, better than a kick in the head. I like Hilton. It's like all loyalty I, I points. Be... It's all loyalty points. <laughs> Better than the kick in the head. With I mean, all I these evaluations. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, every Hilton property I've ever stayed at has been really great. And then, you know, I think the free night certificates still cover some of the Conrads. And Conrad hotels are some of the nicest luxury hotels I've ever stayed in. And, you know, I've talked about this like a million times. But especially in Asia, the breakfast benefit is like awesome. Yeah, Hilton great overseas, especially in Asia. The ability to get their credit cards easy is nice. Their their portfolio of properties, as wide as it is, is very nice if you want to stay you know, on the lower end or you have like a quick road trip. So uh, it's always good. Of course, Hilton, just like all the other companies, has way too many brands. I think IHG released a new brand, their 19th brand this week. Hyatt uh, finally released more details on their lower end extended stay brand. 
I, I can't keep track of any of this stuff. Like when Hyatt's, they announced this brand, like, I don't know, a couple months ago. And then we got some new information about it this week. And I'm just like, why? You have Hyatt House. And why do you need this other thing? I don't know. It's getting it's getting crazier. It's almost like a crapshoot when you go stay at a hotel where you don't know the brand because it's just like a whole different experience. And are we going to see hotel brands go in a different direction? Are we going to see them contract? Are we going to see something different? than? We, I mean, basically, it just seems like they're taking out all the amenities that we used to have in hotel rooms. I tend to like some of the newer properties, but they're very bare bones and stuff like that. Is that going to hold up long term? Is that what people are going to want 20 years from now? Because it seems like all these companies are all in on new brands around this, whether it started a few years ago with Moxie, and I would even put Centric in with that. And uh, obviously, it's gotten even worse now to the extended stay low-end brands. It feels like maybe their market research or something has told them that it's good to just have a ton of brands. Like, I wonder if it's just like you just overwhelm people with choices and create analysis paralysis and then you know it just becomes to the point where it's like all right well i i just can't tell what hotel is what so i'm just going to sign up for this so i mean it really does feel like though i don't know this is not a perfect analogy but remember after avatar everything was about 3d like they were going to have like 3d um tv you know 3d tvs came out and like all the movies were out in 3d and stuff like that but then that kind of fizzled out I wonder if we'll see this brand thing fizzle out because it really feels like or or when the Internet, you know, I know eventually it, it bore out. But like the Internet was like making a huge pivot to video. And at first, like everyone was going to video and they just didn't know what they were doing. I wonder if, you know, these hotel brands are just all mimicking each other and making all these new brands. And then, you know, once they get some data, they'll figure out whether they want to keep things that way or not. Yeah, I guess somebody that's smarter than us knows all of this. It just seems insane, especially at this point. I mean, it made sense when you're talking luxury brands and they're trying to differentiate themselves. XLR is, I think, a good example with Hilton. Uh, they already had Waldorf. They already had Conrad. Uh, but they wanted something that was a little bit more hip and that they could bring in some independent properties, things like that. That made sense. But when we're talking about like low-end extended stay, not even like a Hyatt house, below Hyatt house with Hyatt or you know what IHG launched this week, just... Just crazy stuff. So uh, I won't go on any about it. I think a lot of people out there, though, they probably think the same thing. And it gets confusing, too, because you just don't know what to expect when you stay at these places because there's so many different options. And uh, even people like us who keep up with it, it's just uh, it's just insane. Speaking of insane, did you hear about this lawsuit with Frontier? You know, Frontier is an airline I've talked about a lot on this podcast because I had done status matches with them and I flew them a lot with my status and then they, what, earlier this year, they launched that all-you-can-fly pass, uh, which is, you know, about 1000 to $1,500, depending on when you bought it. But somebody is suing them, basically saying they will not honor the dimensions of the bags, as stated on their website, at the uh, airport. And I want to say something about this, because Jasmine, when she flew to the Memphis meetup, I never really talked about this, because we were in a dispute with it, and, you know, it, I don't know why I didn't mention it, but she had a bag with her that was under the dimensions published on their website, gets to the gate, they measure it, it does not fit in there, and she ends up having to pay $100 right at the gate because there was nothing else that they could do. Of course, I'm mad at myself. I measured the bag before. There was just really no explanation. So I, they did, I did end up getting reimbursed, but it was crazy on that. The other thing on this lawsuit says that she says she can only book travel from 1904, <laughs> like that it's not allowing her to book. I don't think, I, that doesn't seem to make any sense, and I can't imagine that that's actually true, but... It says travel dates only shows flights for the year 1904. 
Wasn't uh, Flight invented in 1903 or something like that? Yeah, um, that seems questionable, and that just sounds like an IT thing. The thing that I don't get is, I'm not a lawyer, but it feels like the lawsuit about the bags, it's not like, how do you link that to the, you know, all-you-can-fly pass, you know? Like, the a bait-and-switch for the all-you-can-fly pass would be like, oh, there are all these blockout dates for the flights or whatever. But the bag thing, you know, that's a separate thing. You know, I don't know if it says anywhere that it'll definitely be included. And I, I just, I don't know, contract law, confusing. But it feels like uh, it does sound, I mean, I'm not surprised <laughs> necessarily that uh, Frontier is nickel and diming people about their bags. But at the same time, this lawsuit seems a little bit like trying to get something back when, you know, you kind of have buyer's remorse or something. It sure does seem like that. And this did have a lot of caveats to it. Uh, you're very limited and you have to book the flights last minute. I would say, though, that you're buying a ticket based on the rules, right? And even if you had to pay for the bag, which you do with that pass, it does not include your bag. So you do have to pay if you don't already have status. But if you based your whole purchase on that, and again, in my own experience, I measured the bag. I was not at the airport with her. But basically, you should know that when they do put the dimensions, if you have a rollerboard or anything, they do include the wheels on that. Of course, I did measure mine with the wheels, so I don't really know what happened. Uh, maybe there are uh, things at the airport are just slightly smaller. Maybe that's a scam. Maybe that will be uncovered in this, that they have smaller dimensions. Imagine how much money they get at the at the gate, uh, if, even if it's like a half inch, a quarter inch, a half inch, an inch smaller than it's supposed to be just because people base it on that. So it'll be interesting to know what comes with it. I tend to agree with you. The 1904 thing is just strange because it's basically saying I couldn't book any other flights, uh, but they'll, they'll figure that out. But yeah, I, I doubt that this goes anywhere. I mean, that's that's my service take. But as you said, neither one of us are lawyers, so uh, we shall see. Yeah. One thing I wonder about the bag thing, and this goes for like all airlines, I think we normally or most people measure their bags when they are not full. But if you have a hard shell or not a hard shell bag, sorry, a soft shell bag, you know, the dimensions do change as you try to like stuff things in there. So, you know, there is also like wiggle room there for Frontier. And I, I don't know why I'm defending Frontier. Maybe I should just shut up. But like your bag, when it has nothing in it, is different dimensions sometimes um, if it's a soft shell than when you, you know, have stuffed it to the brim or whatever. Yeah, for sure. So there's a lot around this. I don't know. It'll be interesting uh, to see. I don't want to defend Frontier either. Uh, I wish that we talk about publish your favorite dimensions. airline. Come on, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if if a bag dimensions are published, it should fit, and that's just the way it is. I don't care what kind of bag it is. If you measure that bag, it should fit. And uh, obviously, harder shell bags are harder to get in because if you have a soft bag, you can push it into their thing. Uh, but yeah, a lot of people paying a, a lot of money. You can thank Ryanair for that. They really invented the nail you at the airport scam. You know, charging more. Before you check in at the gate, you know, it just keeps going up and up and up till it's like an insane amount when you're about to board the plane and you're either going to have to choose whether to fight and not make the plane or just pay the money. And of course, what are you going to do? So uh, gift cards with gift cards. Benji wrote an article this week talking about two places he uses gift cards to buy gift cards. And there's a couple reasons you would want to do this. So the idea being that you would get a gift card for a merchant in the case that what Benji talked about, Amazon, which we have talked about, and Kroger, which is something that's been around a long time, but I'm not sure a lot of people know about it or actively talk about it. But both of those gift cards can be used in certain circumstances to get other gift cards. Amazon has been known to shut down accounts for doing this. 
And just so you know the way it works, I wouldn't do this. I stopped using Amazon gift cards to buy gift cards, but it won't allow you to buy, use your gift card balance to buy a gift card. But if you just go to the final payment screen and you load a gift card onto the order itself, then you can use gift cards there. Again, uh, there's a little risk with that. And with Kroger, you can often use fuel point promotions and get a little bit of a discount on Kroger gift cards, then turn them into a Kroger store, buy other gift cards. You can do this to you know meet minimum spends. You can use it to shift spend, shift your category spend, because sometimes there may be a deal at a different store with a Kroger gift card, and then you can kind of stack all of that. There's a lot of details in the article for you, but always a good idea. Always a good time when you can use a discounted gift card to buy another gift card and kind of compound the savings there. Have you ever done Kroger, Joe? No, I was thinking when you were saying that, like, I really wish there was a Kroger. You know, I just, they're not in the Northeast. It's a big Midwest thing. So, you know, I think everyone who plays this game in the Midwest um, is really very big on Kroger. Um, And they used to, you know, sometimes they have like gift card promotions and things like that like that they're all very good stop and shop was okay for a while here um stop and shop slash giant with their promotions are getting like 5x um fuel rewards points and things like that but that has kind of died as well so i've been a little bit off the gift card game for basically like two years or so yeah it's uh you know it's a hit and miss for some people but again with the amazon thing i just want to be very clear that uh, be careful. I know people are doing it and not at heavy levels and they're not getting shut down. But if you are loading a lot of money in uh, and doing it that way, people have been shut down. They've lost gift card balances. So that's a little bit risky there. The way you do it, and we talked about those pay with points deals around Prime Day and everything. uh, And I talked about how I buy Uber gift cards. But again, the way you can do that, you can stack that deal with a discounted gift card or with an Amazon gift card by applying it on the final payment screen. But I don't do that anymore. Uh, but there's other plays and other things. So check out Benji's article because it has some good information, a lot of good comments there too, people sharing their data points and uh, everything around that. So let's move on to the American Express and the Platinum card. This is the big daddy of travel rewards cards, right? Or not travel, I guess the Sapphire preferred is the big daddy. I don't know. The Platinum is the classic, right, Joe? I mean, it's the one that's been around forever. It's the one that 30 years ago people were carrying around for clout and they still are to some extent. And it's just gotten more and more expensive. I think when both of us kind of came in the hobby, what, 10, 15 years ago, whatever it was, I think the annual fee was $450 for the Platinum card. And that was a lot of money at the time, but uh, it just keeps going up. And uh, yeah, we're learning that they're making some negative changes to the Amex Platinum card. So let's go through them. First, they changed a little bit the welcome offer, Joe. They changed the spending from 6 k in the first three months to 8 k so they made you spend 25% more. The public offer is 80,000 membership rewards points, but as we know, that could change. Uh, They also changed eligibility restrictions on platinum cards. Previously, like the Schwab Platinum and the Morgan Stanley Platinum were their own products, and now they're included with that no lifetime language with regular platinum, so you can't cross-contaminate. You can't get the Schwab and the regular and the Morgan Stanley, uh, you know, it's once per lifetime, quote-unquote, per their terms. Hopefully we still see a lot of these no lifetime language offers. The other thing is the annual fee is staying at 695, but they're increasing the annual fee for additional holders, 195 instead of 175 there. And then the monthly entertainment credit changes. And believe it or not, Joe, this seems like a little change, but for me, it's a big deal. They are uh, taking Audible off of that $20 monthly entertainment credit as of October. And I use Audible. I use that. So I'm kind of mad about that. Yeah, I haven't talked about... I was going to make a joke about um, 
all the audiobooks that I've downloaded that I've never listened to. But uh, I will, I mean, I have actually found Audible pretty useful. I downloaded a lot of the old Star Wars books and new Star Wars books as well. Star Wars, excuse me. And I think I've talked about it here, but, uh, or maybe on Disney Deciphered, but the guy who does the Star Wars um, audiobooks, like it is like a full theater production sound design they have like laser blasts and like doors opening and then the guy does like all these different voices um his name is i think mark thompson maybe uh, but he's like really good and those were really enjoyable books to listen to and i also want to get um andy circus the guy who played Gollum in lord of the rings he like reread lord of the rings and I hear that's really good as well. So I want to get that. So I've actually found Audible very useful. There are other books, uh, more modern books that I've listened to as well. Or I guess the Star Wars books are modern. But um, so that, you know, that's like one of those small changes that hurts more, you know, hurts some people more than you would think. But I do think that the big negative change is this whole, like not separating the Platinums into families things like without the existence of no lifetime language offers which hopefully like you said they do stick around but even before that you were able to get a morgan stanley a schwab a regular platinum a business platinum and you know sometimes those offers are up to 150,000 each you know let's say 100,000 on average that's still 400,000 points you can get over the course of a few years and if that whole thing is gone you know that's going to be pretty painful uh, overall yeah, it's a big change, and just losing those bonuses, as you point out, has significant value. Uh, you know, those bonuses for Morgan Stanley and Schwab have been sitting at 100k uh, for you know a while now, and even if it goes down to the 80k, whatever it is, uh, it's a pretty big value that you're losing out and not being able to double or triple dip. I don't know how many customers really did that. I, in reality, we, you know, how many customers are getting the Schwab card and the regular? Probably a decent amount on Schwab, especially with the popularity of cashing out. But uh, yeah, definitely a hit there. There is one positive piece of news. We lost Audible. And I agree with you, Joe. Audible, great quality. Been using them forever. Haven't always been a member. Sometimes I'll cancel, you know, some, or I'll put my membership on ice or whatever. But since we've had the credits, I just do that. And anytime I listen to a podcast, I hear an author I want to hear, a book I want to read, I just grab it in Audible, listen to it later. But the plus side, the benefit, they're adding the Wall Street Journal, which is not nothing. Wall Street Journal a huge publication. There are many times where I get frustrated that I want to read an article and it's behind the paywall. So I guess now I will be behind the paywall if I take advantage of this, but I'd rather have Audible, honestly. But uh, yeah, Wall Street Journal, not bad as a replacement. Yeah, that's okay. A quick reminder, before you cancel your Audible, use all your credits um, before you go and download the books because um, you can still listen to them, right? Even if you're not subscribed, if you've bought them, quote unquote, with credits. Yeah, you can. And then there's a way to uh, put your count on ice too, where, you know, you can do it another way. It's been a while since I did that, but they used to allow you just to not cancel your account, but kind of like put it on hold for a year Suspend or whatever or it was. Something. Yeah. And then you can still get access to it. I don't know if you completely cancel your account. I think they'll still play to your point, but I don't know how you have access with the DRM. So look into that. But uh, yeah, always great. And, you know, you can listen at different speeds. <laughs> You know, Audible's been sponsoring podcasts for so long, Joe, but uh, this podcast is not brought to you by Audible, so that's just our personal opinions. Another lawsuit came into the news this week, uh, Skip Lagged came into the news. They've been sued, what, so many times. I think United sued them, Southwest has sued them in the past. Now American is suing them for, you know, basically showing hidden city ticketing 
uh, on their website. And what that means is let's, let's say I'm flying from Las Vegas to Washington, D.C. That's where I want to go. I want to go to the nation's capital and I see a ticket that is Las Vegas to Washington, D.C. to New York that's cheaper. So I could book that ticket to New York and just get off in Washington, D.C. This, of course, works. You can't check bags, things like that. The airlines do not agree with this practice. They want to sell you the ticket for New York. That is a price that they want to charge you. The price for Washington might be different, but that's not where you're going. Uh, anyway, they're suing Skip Lag, which allows for this. Just uh, this week or uh, what is it, about a week ago, they kicked a 14-year-old out because they discovered he was skip lagging on a ticket in North Carolina. Uh, a gate agent apparently started questioning him about it, which made me, man, I, I really don't like American gate agents. And the fact that this gate agent went out of their way to like do this to a 14 year old and then, you know, escalate this to the level that it did. I, it, it rubbed me the wrong way. It made me think American, it made me think of American in an even worse light. I don't know. I, the more I read about that story, I got really pissed off about it. I get that they're, you know, trying to preserve their revenue, but they're also playing a game with customers. And if you can figure this out, I don't see there anything wrong with it. I'm sorry. I just don't. I've never once done it. But what do you think? Yeah, I think that it's like gray area in the um, what's that called that? Not I was going to say cruise contract, but what's the what's the word for cruise contract for flights? Flight carrier contract. contract? Yeah, maybe oh. carrier contract. You know, I know it's against the terms and conditions, but that is technically, you know, I think what's happening here is they can't sue Skip Lag for what they're mad about because, like, what it says in the lawsuit is that they're like another bait and switch situation that they're advertising lower fares, but then it's actually higher. But I think since they can't sue Skip Lag for what's bothering them, right? Um, they have two options, which is number one, like go after the people who you skip lagged and punish them for violating the terms of the contract or whatever, the air contract, um, which they did to that kid. I mean, I don't know. I, well, who knows, Sean, maybe that was like a young Ben Schloppig in the making and he was, uh, hacking the system or something like that's So, so their option is to either go after the customers and then can't, since they can't directly go after skip lag, they have to sue them for something else besides the actual what the website is doing. Um, but it feels, again, not a lawyer, like, but it just feels like they're trying to like kind of scare skip lagged or drive up their costs to like go to court or whatever. And, you know, if they win, uh, if American Airlines wins, then great. They can get skip lagged off their back a little bit. But if they lose, they've still like made things difficult for skip lagged. So I'm not saying that skip lagged is some sort of Robin Hood hero or something like that, but I do think American Airlines is just trying to flex their muscle and protect their interests. Um, and that's why, you know, the lawsuit is just like a way to try to do that. I did have a question about the lawsuit in the way that it said that skip lagged is showing higher prices. Cause first off is skip lag inventing new prices. Cause they're using Americans, you know, pricing system. So they may show different itineraries where American would show other ones. And there might be times where skip lag shows a more expensive one, but I don't think that they're just making up pricing. I think the core of this lawsuit is that they're not selling an authorized ticket is what they say, or at least that's what the article I read said. And, you know, they're arguing that the ticket could be invalid or anything like that. We've never had that happen. I should point out that United lost their lawsuit to skip lag and Southwest, which sued skip lag for putting Southwest fares on their website because they weren't publicly available. We know Southwest locks down their ability to search their flights. That's what they sued for. And there was a settlement out of court. So we don't know what that was, but skip lag done pretty well uh, in the thing. I just, you know, have you ever been on like a connecting flight and you happen to like, look at the price of what that flight was 
and you know you're on a ticket that costs you know a quarter of what it would have cost just for that little direct connector that you did you know the, the airlines aren't exactly being fair here i'll just put it that way uh, with the way that they price everything and i don't really see it as wrong i get it as a gray area i get it's a violation of the contract and ultimately you know american can enforce their rules i guess the way that they want but yeah i want this practice to continue just to screw it to the airlines it's just and it's uh, just yeah it's just tough to be like on the airline side these days when they took all that bailout money during the pandemic and they didn't use it to like they barely used it if at all like if you're being super generous they use it to improve things like a little bit for their customers but mostly they you know they just use it for like buybacks and whatever nonsense like all the big companies did so you know i just it's really hard for me to feel any sympathy for them if people are trying to use loopholes to save normal people money like i i just i think i i think i went on the same rant when uh ironically not ironically but uh, american airlines shut me down but it's like who are we defending here like why are we defending these airlines like i don't think they need to be defended in any of these situations so we hate airlines we love audible so there you go so we hate american airlines or united states airlines you know we love the asian care no i'm just kidding that's true. I mean, in general, uh, I love most carriers I'm sure over the U.S. based too. ones. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure they're jerks too. Although, at least in Europe, you know, you have EU 261. So, and in Asia, you can run into rules. You know, they're very rule based societies. So, if you're trying to get something that is a violation of the rule, or you're asking somebody to bend a rule to maybe help you in a circumstance where you know things got out of control, it can be very difficult. So, there's unique quirks to all over the world, and that's just the fun of traveling, which brings me into this thing I wanted to ask you, Joe. I was having a conversation with somebody and uh, just talking about going new places, going old places. This is somebody who hasn't traveled a whole lot. And it got me really thinking about as a traveler, and I thought people who would listen could relate to this, and I'd love to hear people's opinions too. But when does the focus shift for a traveler from new to revisiting old stuff? Because I feel like people who don't travel a lot, their goal is that bucket list, you know, if you haven't been to Europe, of course, everybody wants to go to Europe. Nowadays, it seems like Japan is one of those places where everybody wants to go there. And so people who don't travel a lot, they're just adding new things because ultimately they haven't spent as much time doing it. Somebody like me or you, we've traveled quite a lot and we've been to a lot of places and now you're revisiting other places. And I wonder in the life of a traveler where that shift happens from I'm going to all these new places to I'm going to start going back to the places I went before. I mean, I think it depends on your personality. Like I've always been, even when I didn't travel a ton um, or as like extensively as I do now, I was always like, I want to go back to wherever I've been just because for me, it's always like the first time that you go, like you just, you just kind of have like no idea. Like you're just trying to figure it out. It's like, it's like a first date. Right. And then as long as that first date goes well, you know, you want to have a second date and then you know that city a little bit better, you know, that place a little bit better and you know what you like. And then, you know, like the things that you didn't get to try last time or talk about last time, if you're continuing this analogy. Um, and so for me, I was always like that. And then the funny thing was, um, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but my wife is like the opposite. She always wants to try somewhere new. Um, and so she always wants to go to new places. And, you know, it has worked out very well over the last 14 years. Thank you, math. Um, because 
you know, I want to go back to places, but then she wants to try new places. And so then a lot of times, for example, when we went back to Madrid, um, which, you know, I really want to go back, we also took a day trip to Toledo to um, go ahead and try something new. So, you know, I think over the course of our life together, we've been able to do that and that works well. Um, but, it, but I do really think it depends on your personality. Cause for me, it was like, I always wanted to go. And maybe it's cause I kept coming. Like when I was a kid, I went back and forth to Hong Kong, like a bunch of times. And like, I just got used to going to the same place over and over. And so maybe like as a kid during my formative years, that kind of um, drilled that into me, but that's how I approach it. Uh, what about you, Sean? I know I, I think you like to go back to places as well. Yeah, I think that's actually shifted for me as I get older and I guess more years into my adult traveling and, and everything like that. Because at the beginning, of the focus was, I mean, I remember 2007, we're starting our backpacking trip a year and a half. We hadn't really been out of the country other than Mexico. And uh, it was just like, all right, the world is your oyster and it's like an all-you-can-eat buffet, right? You're just trying to see everything. And you have all these lists of things like, you know, going and seeing the Eiffel Tower. Imagine you're starting at scratch all of this stuff, uh, the pyramids and everything that you want to see, the Great Wall of China, and you just keep going down this list. And as you start checking stuff off, you do realize that you want to go back to those places. And that's actually a point you made is very interesting in today's society, because when you do visit a place for the first time, you really don't know. You're right. I mean, you don't have a great idea. You're relying on a lot of the tourist norms there. So you're going to go to the big tourist areas, but you're not going to see a lot beyond that. And uh, so much of our content now on the internet is written by people who have visited someplace for one day and become experts or uh, something like that. So that that just kind of reminded me of that, that revisiting places is almost essential to get to know them. But but you mentioned Hong Kong, right? And this is a great example for us to talk about because you live there for a portion of time. You've obviously been there a lot more, but you're culturally you know, from Hong Kong. And so you have a lot of ties there. I'm not. I've been there a lot of times. And so my relationship as a tourist is always going to be different than yours. But I have a relationship with Hong Kong. I've been there enough times. I've been there eight different times. I've been to many places over and over again. And I've eaten the food. And I have favorite restaurants. And I like to walk around. And that is really what the revisiting is. It's that re your own relationship with that city. And I was talking to my brother about this like a week ago. He's like, really, what is it that, that gets you to travel? And I said, it's really just expanding my world. And it's not expanding my world in... I've been to Paris and I've seen the Eiffel Tower. It's, you know, I've spent a lot of time in Paris. I have my own relationship with it. I'm not an expert. I'm not going to tell you what the best restaurant is. That's not my thing, you know, in this area. And you need to go here and you need to go there. I have my specialties that I could tell you about. But we're not talking about that. I'm not talking about me being an influencer or me talking to you on a podcast. I'm talking about me, the traveler. I have my own experience with that. I have my own relationship with that city that formed over time. And that, I think, is the benefit of going back to places. And I think a lot of people, they're like, well, what am I going to do? I already went there. Why would I go there again? And that's sort of like the trick because it gets better as you go. Now, not every place gets better as you go, but the places you really love get better as you go. And so you would think that they wouldn't measure up when you go back because there's not the excitement. But for me, I actually think it's the opposite of that. I totally agree. And not only does it get better, but it also gets easier. Obviously, I go to Disney World a lot. Like every time I go, it's just, you know, I know where I'm going to go. I know where I'm going to start. I know what I'm going to try. That's new. And it's the same for new cities. I remember um, the first time I went to Paris, like I didn't, you know, you don't know how the arrondissements work. Like you don't know how the city is set up. You don't know how the subway works and all that. And then, you know, when I've been back, I think 
three times total. Like each time it gets a little bit easier. And then I, I, I am like totally like that, Sean. Like I could, you know, I could eat at the same place and locally I could eat at the same place like three days a week and not get sick of it. Like that's just my personality. So when I go to a city that I don't live in, uh, or a place that I don't live in, and there's some place that I really like there, I, I want to go back every time just to see, like, how it's changed. Is it still as good as it used to be? And it's, like, it's comforting, you know, because it almost becomes, like, you know, we talked about laundry last week extensively, which got a lot of feedback in the MTM Diamond Slack. So thanks, everyone, for telling us about your laundry habits on the road. And unsarcastically, we really appreciated that. But when you're somewhere else, like, you do get homesick. It is hard to be traveling all the time. And so when you have some place comforting that you really like to eat, oh, I told you that we ate at Din Tai Fung. Like, that's the first thing we ate in Sydney. Like, anytime we can find one of those places, even though, of course, it's always better in Taiwan, we're going to go there because that's just comforting and easier for us. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. The bathroom stuff, the the laundry stuff was was fun to read about other people who Basically doing the same with visuals. Thing as us. Thank you. By yeah, the way. yeah. They, they posted pictures. So yeah, with what kind of stuff that we didn't talk about what we use for soap. Uh, sometimes uh, we both I think said this uh, that we use laundry soap, but also you can use shampoo in a backup. That's not a big deal. Shampoo works just fine in a jam. So another good tip for people. Yep. So, but yeah, I I recommend um, if you haven't getting back to places you've been because at least for me it's always better the second time. Totally agree. Love it. And uh, that's what I told this person, and that's what I want to tell people. Go back to the places. I know that people have so much time, and that's the, really the problem, and it is uh, sort of balancing all that, and that is a real, real issue. But when you're making those decisions, don't be afraid to go back somewhere just because you've been there and there's this sexy new place uh, that you want to go. You know, it's it's balancing it. I don't know. That's just uh, my take from from many years, and I find that the older I get, and I think this does shift, and the more I travel, the more I want to go back instead of getting new things. And I guess my country count is my country count is never going to get up to 193, Joe. So uh, I guess I'm stuck here wherever I'm at, and uh, that will happen for the rest of time. So yeah, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter or X or wherever. Let us know what you guys think about this topic because I I really would love to discuss it with all of you guys listening. How you handle going back versus new stuff, and uh, hopefully we can have more of a discussion off the podcast. And Joe, you got anything else today? I think that's going to do it for us. No, I'm good. Where can people find you when they're not listening to this fine podcast? You can find me at As a Joe Flies all over social media. Threads apparently is coming out with a web version next week. So still hoping more of you will go over there. You can find me all over there. One last thing. Did look it up while we were talking. Audible.com from the source itself. You can still listen to titles you've purchased. Um, you can download them like forever as with your account um, even after you've canceled your subscription. So we're good with that. Just can't you re-download them. You just can't re-download them. So you can yeah, re-download keep them. them in. You know what? Let me read this here. Oh, when wait, purchase... wait. Oh, good. Yeah. There's no limit to the number of times you can download the titles you've already purchased, even if you cancel your membership. The only thing you're going to lose access to is, you know how Audible has the plus catalog, like the quote-unquote free books that you can download? You'll lose access to that. But anything that you've purchased, um, according to help.audible.com, you're good. That's awesome. I guess maybe things have changed or I misunderstood, so I'm glad to hear that. And for me, you can find me all over social media at Miles to Memories. I guess I'm on Threads, Joe. I really am, but uh, I don't really use it yet. Still on X or Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. You can find our Vegas show, youtube.com forward slash Miles to Memories. Killing it over there. Mark and I still doing two shows a week. And then everything we do, 
post podcast videos at milestomemories.com. You can find links to apply. We really appreciate you guys supporting the show. We are supported by you, the fine listeners. No ads here on this show. But Audible, if they want to come, Joe, they can uh, they can get us. But anyway, thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time. See ya. Bye. This has been an Audible presentation. <laughs> <laughs>